Episode 45 and the watchword this week is making better citizens. This week's episode is with Hugh Lewis, MBE. Hugh founded the Motivational Preparation College for Training 23 years ago after a long career in the military. Whilst working in army recruitment, he spotted a gap between the standards the military required versus how prepared some applicants were. Hugh started the MPCT with a handful of people and 23 years later their team is 180 strong, has 35 colleges across the UK and has trained over 20,000 learners. Profit with purpose and responsible capitalism are two terms that we hear more now than ever before and the reason I was excited to talk to Hugh was that he and his team are achieving exactly that, helping people get a better start in life and find a more fulfilling job than they otherwise might have. You can find out more about the MPCT at mpct.co.uk and you can also find them on social media. I'm Mark Thompson, this is the Watchword Podcast and the Watchword this week is Making Better Citizens. So Hugh, when, when did you have the, the vision for the MPCT? Well, it all started um, as a lot of these things, by accident, I'll be honest with you. I was... Um, I just come back off a quite an intensive uh, master snipers course with the army, and um, very excited about the future uh, going forward with that. And uh, ended up being promoted to sergeant, and the only position for sergeant with my battalion, the Royal Fuse Leers at the time, was in the recruiting office, um, which was not my ambition. But you go as you you're told, you go where you wherever you're told to go, and um, as soon as I arrived at the Army Recruiting Office, um, I, I came across lots of young men and women with lots of potential. But I just knew, due to the way the recruiting process worked, that they wouldn't pass the recruiting process and they wouldn't be able to achieve their ambition of going into the armed forces. So it was after interviewing lots and lots of young people and realising that there was a desperate need for these young people to have additional support in order for them to reach their potential. So it was, I mean, that you must have spoken to a really large number of young people during that time. And I guess for anyone who's been in a recruiting office, it's, uh, it's an interesting environment where the, the military meets, meets the civilian world um, in, in quite a stark contrast. So, so you, you essentially thought that there's, there's a gulf here between people's aspirations and their, and their capabilities and, and, and had the idea to create an organisation that, that filled that gap. Yeah, exactly. So at the same time, while I was uh, working as a recruiting sergeant in the uh, army office, I started volunteering in the youth youth club. And then I found I had a knack of engaging with young people. And then I was recommended to go get myself qualified to be a youth community social worker. Um, And again, I just saw so many young people who really did have an aspiration and an ambition to go into the armed forces. But again, from their perspective, they didn't have any understanding of what the commitment required to go into the armed forces and there's no there's no history of anybody in their family of who who have served so it was quite an a new environment for these young people where because national services their parents weren't part of national service or part of world war ii or anything like that the there's a whole host of young people out there that has no direct contract contact with the military then on the opposite the military were very fixed in what they wanted and and uh, wasn't 
deviating from from that process. So I actually went up to Litchfield, the train depot in Litchfield, and I interviewed 12 soldiers who were on what they called ex-platoon. So these are guys that had actually voted to prematurely voluntary release while they're in, still in. And I interviewed all 12 of them uh, at length. And um, the reason that they decided that the military wasn't for them, there was one point that correlated, bar one, there's always one that doesn't quite fit. Um, and it was when they failed one of the assessments in basic training, whether it be a physical, uh, academic, or whether it was an element where they just broke down, they didn't have the mental resilience to cope with the stresses and strains of basic training. But fundamentally, is when they failed a particular part of the process, and that's when they decided to to leave the 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 army. So what got what it got me thinking then? If we had a program that really addressed these three elements, and the elements was physical fitness, personal qualities, and academic ability, the ability to assimilate the information that they were receiving, the maths and English. I thought we'd have a real chance in changing the outcome for these 12 young men. Um, and with a better foundation, they'd probably be able to make the army of their career. It's interesting listening to that, uh, to your explanation there, because there's, I, I think to a lot of people who've who've maybe been in the military or a training environment where you've, where someone's not succeeding, but you you think that they can, you can see that their confidence has been knocked, I guess, which is a result of the the setback of failing that particular aspect. And you can see that they that it is achievable, but they've they've maybe decided themselves that they're that they're beaten. Um, but I get I, for context. I mean, we're the, the the scenario you're talking about there was was how many years ago it, uh, from from today? Um, God, 20, 23 years ago. Twenty three years ago. Yeah. So. Um... So a lot has changed, an awful lot has changed in basic training, an awful lot has changed in terms of uh, their approach to the, the whole mental approach to it. And I think a lot, a lot has improved, an awful lot has improved, I'll be honest with you. Um, and the, I think the, the armed forces are on a, on a, a journey, but there the, the still needs to have that, we still need to have a foundation level where young people have from whatever background, for whatever challenges they have, they're able to um, develop themselves to a place of strength. And you mentioned confidence there. That's such an important element. You can't just grow confidence overnight. It's got to, it's got to be a series of lessons taught and retaught, and experiences, <clears throat> um, uh, wins and losses to be able to build up that level of confidence for them to have that resilience to be able to achieve. And talking of confidence, I mean, if we, because it's pretty extraordinary that you started this organization uh, 22, 23 years ago, and and here we are today discussing it at the size at the size that it is and the the progress that you've made. I mean, it's it's pretty extraordinary. I guess if we go back to that particular juncture in your career, what gave what gave you the confidence or the belief? Because I mean that the the need that you identified is is sort of understood like it's, it's it makes sense to me having been in a training environment i i guess and it's and 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 most people can understand it anyway but but what what gave you the the confidence and the belief to to pursue it what were the what were the building blocks for it 
Yeah, uh, the I suppose has asked a very similar question. Uh, we had a staff awards on Thursday. Uh, we had a virtual awards, 180 staff programmed in and, and plugged into to the awards, and it was a great, lovely event. Uh, just recognising our, our staff, and one of the questions we had to to ourselves, to all the directors, uh, and one of the questions was, would I think that still be here back in 1999? And it prompted me to think of why did I start it? Well, it, I was angry. It was, I was angry with uh, the, the constant negative feedback I was receiving about these young people that I, some of them I'd been working with in the youth club at night and then interviewing them by day. And I knew that they had more gumption, more uh, get up and go and more, uh, more um, passion than lots of other young people that probably sail through the selection system but because they hadn't had the same life chances i knew that they, they wouldn't be able to get out of that uh mire that they, they started off so I, I started off from a position of anger and then it was just a blind belief that by find creating a safe space for these young people bringing in real strong, positive role models for these young people to aspire to be, and then wrapping that around with a curriculum that really engaged and motivated these young people to be their very best version of themselves. I just knew it would work. I just 100% blind faith, if you like, knew that it would work. Uh, so it was a position of anger and a belief that... Uh, the the process and the, the learning process that we'd set up would work and would make a difference. It would make a difference. A funny coincidence that I um, realised recently, I think possibly within is within the last couple of months, is, um, and it's just in terms of an anecdote, there was a, uh, a young lad who used to live, live down my um, street who was a couple of years younger than me. And... Um, and I knew I knew which college he'd gone to, and I knew that he was doing something military related, but I didn't know what it was because I, I didn't go to that college. I went, but I ended up joining the army myself, and so on. And I, I recently uh, he's back visiting his parents, who still live in the same street, and I was doing the same, and uh, reconnected with him. And he's he he did do that thing at college with the military, which was which was. Uh, enabled through you and your organization and he's now a sergeant in the royal marines and has been in for um i think getting on for 12 years you know and it's just it's just a funny little coincidence um and you just think that the the journey that he's been on now and and how capable he is as an individual etc cetera, etc cetera, is um it is quite a funny little um coincidence that but that that i then ended up talking to to you it's a, a small world out there and you know it's uh it never ceases to amaze me that we're never that far away from people that we know are connected. And it's just absolutely fantastic when I bump into ex-students, uh, sometimes in the motorway services, or sometimes they they knock, still knock on the door and come and see us, and they share their stories with us. Um, quite interesting. Um, we, we, with the Royal Marines, we've got a great relationship with the Royal Marines, uh, and uh, our staff have been down to Limston to understand the selection procedures and processes. Um, and we've, we've, uh, we now been going so long. Some of our students that went into the Romans way back and now rotated out and now working for us. So we've kept that 
that, that connection going all the way through. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just really inspiring to hear about stories like that. And I'm pleased to hear about your friend that's uh, still 12 years as Sergeant Roman. She's not doing too bad, is he? Yeah, no, definitely not. No, and he's, and it, it you, you think about what he was, that's a, a young person like him. Um, he wasn't, he had something about him, but he clearly didn't really know what he was doing uh, or wanted to do in life, et cetera, et cetera. And you just think what a perfect career path um, and what a great time he's had. Uh, and that's been enabled really through the, through the military. So it's just a, another example really of, of why I do think it's a great option for young people. Um, it's not the only option that's great, but it is one of them. Um, so, so back to when, back to when it all started, obviously you, you had the, you had the vision, it was driven by, you know, your belief and your, your passion. Uh, what about the, the, the nuts and bolts, the administration, the sort of the business aspects, which maybe, which was well, certainly to me when I was on my way out of the military, that there was just so much that, that I didn't know about how to set up and run a business and what was needed. How, how did you, how did you bridge that gap? Well, it was, it was really hard work. I made, I made it hard work. I'll be honest with you. Um, but I read a lot. I read everything I, I could find on how to set up a business. And um, I asked an awful lot of questions. And you, as you probably are aware, Mark, that there's an awful lot of good people out there that are willing to share their experiences, share their knowledge with you for free if you ask. And um, an awful lot of people, as I, as I navigated the start of this, um, were just willing to share their time and share their, their advice and guidance with me as, as I started. So it was um, a leap of into the unknown, leap of faith, if you like, um, and lots and lots of mistakes made. But I realized that there are some fundamentals um, and some principles that hold true to whatever you do. So I had to make sure that we delivered on the promise that we, whatever promises that we made, I made sure that the financials were always as uh, were per, were as perfect as they could be. I made sure that we looked after our people from the from the start, our staff, uh, and ultimately they looked after our students. And um, as we we aimed to follow through on everything that we started, um, but the nuts and bolts of business. There's an awful lot of advice out there to be to had, and you some sometimes you just got to ask for it. And uh, yeah, and I suppose that's hopefully that answers your question. It does, yeah. And uh, I mean, in terms of the the outset, did it start with one college? Like, what, what was the? I get again for context. You mentioned how many staff? It was 180 staff now, mm. um, and and you're you're working in partnership with with over 30 colleges. Is that right? Yeah, we have we have thirty five our own colleges across the UK, one hundred and eighty two staff and thirty five different locations that we're physically operating from. Right. Uh, so we started off with six. We started off with one college in Cardiff, six staff, um, and then we quickly progressed to a second college up in um, Romney uh, in South Wales, and then for two or three years it, it was pretty static in terms of growth. Um, for lots of reasons. One, we couldn't afford to do anything else. And then two, we physically weren't capable of doing it. I physically uh, wasn't capable of doing anything else. I ran two centres the way I ran one. I, I just worked harder, longer uh, to make it happen. 
And then we started bringing processes and systems and changing the way we work um, to be able to run both centers uh, as efficiently as possible. So it's been, um, if somebody asked me, do you want 35 centers and 180 staff 20 years ago? I say no, because I wouldn't know how to run or, or support them and make sure that they'd be able to operate effectively. So it's been a learning curve. And I think we've grown as an organization, as, as we've grown as individuals and as teams within the organization. Mm. It's been organic growth, but it's also been a growth that has pushed us to limits. We haven't overextended ourselves, but we have extended ourselves all the way through. So we couldn't have done, we couldn't do what we do today back in 1999. The yeah. quality of education is the same, but we just couldn't have done it at the same scale. Yeah, and I guess that's that's the the nature of 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 growing a a business or a, any organisation, really, isn't it? I guess you have to you have to adapt, otherwise there's going to be a certain point at which different elements of it are gonna are gonna break. And uh, can you remember some of those some of the key improvements that enabled that that scale? Yeah, yeah. There's so there's an awful lot of um, milestones, if you like, uh, as, as we went through. So moving, well, I remember we, we started off with one email address for the organization. Uh, it was head office at apc.co.uk. Mm. Um, so it was, there's different milestones as we went through. Some of them were governed simply by finance. You know, we knew exactly what we needed to do, but it was governed by finance. We just couldn't afford it. So a particular milestone was having people specifically for roles where they, where they weren't multi-rolling all the time. So that was a big element to, to allow us to grow um, to the next, uh, the next step forward. Um, other elements were hitting certain milestones in terms of turnover and number of colleges. Uh, once we reached four colleges, again, we had to change the way we operated from when we had two. Uh, that was a big change. And then uh, when we went past 10, again, we had to change significantly how we operated. So it became from a centralized delivery to a more regionalized delivery. Mm. Um, and to, you know, to where we are today, we're not the, we're not the finished article by any by any stretch of the imagination uh, at all. But again, we we are aiming to ensure that whoever is working in, for MPCT, they have the resources they need to be able to do the best job they can at a given day. And what we're doing is we're not moving forward until we've completed that phase. So the way we've gone about it is growth, consolidation, quality, growth, consolidation, quality. And that's the sort of uh, battle rhythm that we've, we've um, uh, by accident or by design, I can't remember, I'll be honest with you, but uh, that's what we've approached, uh, that's how we've approached it over the last 20 years. In terms of, in terms of um, educating people as to, how, as to how it works, so obviously you are a, an independent organisation, independent business, um, which, as you've just described, has grown in terms of the, the locations so how how has that worked in terms of is it exclusively within a certain age group of um of learner um it, it, you 
I know you're co-located with with some colleges. Is that the case throughout? Like how how's it structured? Yeah, so it's we we have different models um, in different towns depending on the availability, the real estate, the partnerships that we have. So we have everything from standalone premises that we don't own, we rent or lease to co-locating within reserve army reserve centers, uh, Royal Navy reserve centers through to um, being embedded within tertiary uh, colleges. And there's no right or wrong um, uh, uh, structure that we have. It, it needs to meet the needs of that particular community at that particular time. So, but what is synonymous is that, or consistent is approach to training. Uh, or our pedagogy, if you, if you, if you like. Um, so whether it's in, Newcastle, Isla White, Wrexham or Bangor or Swansea or Cardiff, the ethos and the cultures have been generated over the years and supported and nurtured to be very positive coaching environments. And that's, that's very, very important for, for us. And I think it's a key to our success. So the, you have each center is almost like an independent, well, it is an independent college. But within that centre, they have the infrastructure support and the direction and training to be able to deliver on the job. And in that in that time period of of growth and development, have you seen? Do you see differences in the in the the learners, the young people coming through? Like, how do you think they've evolved, and and uh, that has their behaviour changed, and their needs, and the way that you've had to approach that? Yeah, great question. The, um, the number of learners that come forward now with better qualifications is greater than ever before. When we first started, uh, very few will have achieved any qualifications at all. Um, but it's 50-50 now. So 50% of the students coming to the college are eligible to go into STEM-type jobs. And in fact, out of the 615 that went into the arm, Army last year, 300 of them went into an apprenticeship of, of some sort. So the young people are coming forward not better educated. Around about 60, if, I, if you asked me five years ago how many were entitled to free school meals, it would be 66%, down to 50% now. The number of uh, learners who are paying is it's increased from quite low levels in the five, 6% 10 years ago. It's around about 20%. Um, in terms of uh, other challenges, such as um, uh, looked after uh, young people, it, it's been pretty static um, all the way through. So the young people, um, they, they do know what they want more, I feel, now than ever before. They, they, they come with an understanding of what is acceptable and not acceptable. I think that's positive. I think it's a, a, it's a huge positive. And in terms of young people not won't get cold or wet or, or dirty or anything like that, that isn't, we don't find that. Four, four days out of five, they're actually training outdoors. They're taking, they're part, taking part in PT that is um, outdoors. And as you know, in this country, it rains more often than it doesn't. So whether the, the, the resilience, physical and mental resilience um, is in doubt, 
I, I don't believe it is. Uh, I really don't believe it is. As long as they got the right person in charge of them to say, follow me and lead them. I think uh, we, we've got some great young people coming through. Absolutely fantastic young people coming through. I'm sort of mid thirties and you kind of think or realize like you, I have very, very little to do with, um, with young people anymore. Like uh, at a training establishment in the military, that was probably the last time. And then obviously it's people from, between the age of um, 18 up to whatever, like sort of 32. And that there's definitely a sort of general assumption about this, this generation, so to speak, that they're, you know, that they're, um, that they're wet or that they're um, demanding or et cetera, et cetera, insert the sort of slightly negative adjective maybe. Um, but that's, that's just not your, not your understanding. And, and I mean, you're someone who should, who should certainly know, right? Definitely, definitely. And I think that doesn't just go to our students. I think that goes to our staff as well, because we've got quite a few young people that work for us, especially in head office and in marketing and in the call centre. And um, I'll be honest with you, they're a pleasure to work with. They're, they're, they're energetic, they're, they're full of life, and they've got a real sense of purpose. They have a real sense of purpose, what was right and wrong. And uh, they work particularly hard, and they'll deliver and go above and beyond i'll be honest with you they'll go above and beyond to uh, to achieve if they believe in what you're trying to achieve if they believe in what you're trying to achieve so uh, i think yeah i'm very very hopeful for the today's generation i'll be honest with you mm. yeah great and do your your drive in terms of the 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 vision for the for the organization i mean is it it, it sounds like it started in identifying that that gap between what the military um expected or what was required to to get in and be successful versus someone's achievement or, or their belief perhaps um their individual belief in terms of what they can achieve D does it kind of start and finish there or what's what's your do you have a more broad view about the opportunities for 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 young people in, in general yeah it's about creating better citizens it's about giving them the the steerage, the understanding, and the foundations to be uh, to contribute to their communities. So it's not about recruitment for the army. It's not about recruitment for the navy or the air force. It's about creating better citizens, and they'll choose. They'll choose their direction. They'll choose their 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 their, their future employment or future education. So it just gives them the choices. It gives them the control back. So it's a it's a broader, and that's why. We've expanded all, all this, all these years. It's not because we determined to expand for expansion's sake, because whatever we set up, we know we can make a positive difference to that community, uh, not just for the armed forces or those individuals, but for the wider communities as well. We commissioned um, a study by Northampton University about the social impact that uh, creates that we we create, and they came back and this independent study that it uh, generates, makes a difference of 32 million pounds over a cohort, one cohort over that period of time because they become positive members of their community. So, mm -hmm. so I think it is why that it's not about generating the next uh, um, soldiers or, or sailors or airmen. It's about generating better citizens that will be able to make a difference to UK PLC, if you like. Yeah. No, that's that's. I kind of thought that might be the case case because obviously it's um, the 
the phrase that uh, like you kind of ask yourself and I've asked myself before when I when thinking about why I've uh started a business myself and and indeed why I started a a podcast um and uh, it's uh, one of the reasons I was sort of uh, in admiration of your organization is because I think everything that you just described is is also another way of 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 demonstrating social mobility which if you can if you can run an organization um that is contributing in social towards social mobility then i think that that you you can't really be you can't really be achieving that much more in lots of ways because what better thing is there to do than to to give people opportunities um and to and to contribute to the the common good so um yeah it's uh it's quite an impressive it's quite an impressive thing and it just it kind of seems perfect in lots of ways you know because co colleges or the age i guess one question actually is is around the age of the the learners because in my mind the we're talking about sort of 16 to 19 year olds um but i guess you've you've mentioned already that there's there's a bit more of a spread in that respect um it is what 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 does the age distribution look like so we work with primary schools we call it mpct young leaders and it's about um again young it's more it's more it's about character education in schools it's about them having that resilience that ambition that uh, determination to carry on uh, and the, the ambition to win and to the, the ability to learn from losing so that starts from primary school through to secondary school and then on to the post 16 and 16 to 19 in terms of uh, your question what's the the split it's around about 80 percent is the latter i.e post 16 16 to 19 um, and that's the majority of the program we talked we talked about resilience or so you touched on resilience yeah. how what do you think are the factors that build resilience i think you've got to have a positive coaching culture uh, rather than a negative uh, uh, culture where we our, our, our training we spend an awful lot of time training our staff I mean, um, all the direct delivery staff in terms of um, the military program they need their veterans the five-year plus veterans um, but we spend an awful lot of time before we let them loose on the students to understand our culture and values and it's about catching somebody doing something good it's not standing and highlighting and pointing out where they failed because they've all, most of us understand where we fail before somebody needs to point us out so it will become a really positive coaching culture not just for the students for ourselves and for the staff as well having those positive conversations but having those conversations rather than having negative um challenging challenging behavior with even more negative behavior such as punishment so i think that helps to build that sort of depth of personal resilience that people people can rely upon even when you're not there so it gives them that confidence to be able to put themselves forward take a knock fail and lose and then go go again um we we bring competition, an awful lot of competition in, within the teaching and learning of our students and our staff. So the students learn to win uh, and enjoy the habit of winning, but also that with any competition, you're going to lose some way along the line. And then drawing out those le lessons learned from that. Um, so it's, it's an, we spend an awful lot of time developing the character of that individual for that individual and to stand strong on their own two feet 
um, to be able to step forward in the direction that they want. And they step forward with a sense of purpose. And how, I guess, in that description, it, it made, me, made me think a little bit of, of sport, which obviously is, is a, a part of what you do. Um, so how, I guess, you can, you can foster competition through, through sport and then, and then how else might you do it in terms of the, the, the other training, the other parts of the curriculum? So you're spot on. And, and one of the unique elements of the, the college is that two and a half hours is spent on, on physical training every single day. And a lot, whether it's a, a traditional sporting activity, such as uh, football or rugby, but also even the, the circuit training or the runs, it all involves and develops their, their team skills and their personal character. Um, but even in the classroom, competition is brought in. Um, uh, other elements, other, other events that we've carried out, uh, exchanges with similar colleges in Holland. So we do an exchange with the Dutch colleges. Um, we've done um, a number of overseas battlefield tours for learners to understand the, um, the, the enormity of uh, the sacrifices gone beforehand. And that happens on an annual basis. Adventure training is brought in as well, but also understanding of the, even if they aren't able to go overseas, even the understanding of uh, the commitment at home. So we celebrate, not celebrate, we recognize and contribute to, to events such as the length of November. So learners have a real holistic approach to developing their, themselves and taking pride in their, their country. Um, so we use what we call the um, uh, sorry the our core values um, as as a sort of guiding principle, the North Star, as how they should act when they're not they're not being watched. And yeah. I think a lot of it comes back. A lot of it comes back to that. Yeah, and what and what are your core values? Well, we use the. Um, the the name pride so physical and mental resilience respect um integrity um uh, dedication and empathy uh, are, are our core values and we try and bring them back as lessons every time they deviate from those or if they excel in any of those we use it as a, a point of reference and a lesson to 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 our students yeah, that's great. I mean, that's a, well a good a good way to remember them, and also some pretty um pretty strong values there. Um, in terms of in terms of the curriculum it's, itself, and like a, a a normal normal week for someone who who might be attending, what would that what would a week look like potentially, or does it just vary a great deal? Well, we have um, as you can imagine, being ex military, we have a very detailed program and syllabus. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and. What we've done is, we, my boss is Ofsted and in Wales, Estyn, the HMI inspectorate, they're my boss. Um, I know I'm the CEO, founding CEO of this organization, but I'm under no illusions. My boss is the HMI. And rightly so. Mm. And rightly so. So um, the uh, Ofsted demands that we deliver numeracy and literacy, so that is uh, embedded into the programme and is a constant throughout the programme. Uh, but what we've done is we've rewritten that numeracy and literacy lessons through the context of military 
So it's education by stealth. So that happens twice a week. And then we deliver a qualification, a level two qualification called employability. And it's all about, well, it is what it is on the tin, um, making sure that they research and develop their skills to become employed. And again, it's delivered through a military context. So that's um, about 50% of the week. Uh, the other 50% of the week is physical training. On the Wednesday, it's a military engagement day. And one of the things that we're very proud of and very fortunate to have is memorandums of understanding with the three services. And they um, support us in delivering military type activities on a Wednesday. Sometimes it, it includes a visit to um, a, a military establishment, um, visit our organization, but all the staff have a detailed curriculum and syllabus on carrying out military training events, such as basher building, patrolling, cooking in the field, camouflage and concealment. It's not about uh, making them into soldiers, it's all about giving them an insight into what the, the career opportunities are, and again, making it into an engaging and motivating event for them. So the week is broken up with that. Yeah, uh, well, firstly, that sounds, that sounds pretty uh, great. It sounds pretty interesting and and varied, and I can see why a lot of young people would um, would be keen on it. And 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 yeah, the the point around things like um, basher building and cooking outside, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, it's people immediately associate that with the military, but which is which is fine and understandable. But equally, it's just as much about learning how to survive and 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 live it in different elements essentially it's like why why would we not learn how to do that because it that that builds resilience in itself i think yeah that's a great point and they they get so much out of it don't they they, they learn about having to look after themselves having to look after each other and uh, the sense of achievement once they've um gone through that process uh, and it's a skill that they can take with them when they leave as well and uh, gives them that it gives them that sort of uh, self-satisfaction to try it again. So you've, you've also got a, a charity that's associated um, with MPCT. And how did that come about and, and, and how does it operate? Yeah, so the Motivation and Learning Trust. Um, we started it around about four or five years ago. Um, and the idea is to support students in crisis. So... Uh, if a student becomes homeless, then we're able to find accommodation and um, a safe accommodation and food for them immediately. So they, 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 they reduce the risk of them becoming a victim uh, by being, becoming homeless. So every centre has access to immediate funds to be able to look after our students that sometimes uh, become homeless. And they, that, was one, that was a primary move for it. And then the secondary element was to improve their opportunities for education. You heard me mention the overseas trip, the battlefield tours and the adventure training. Again, uh, the majority of this is supported by the trust. And then um, to support their educational acumen, um, one of the elements with COVID now, uh, the charity stepped in again and uh, provided um, uh, approximately £35,000 worth of IT equipment and data for students who, uh, who are, um, didn't have access to the online learning. Because during COVID, we never stopped. We carried on 
delivering throughout um, throughout the whole of lockdown with online classes, full full days with online classes and uh, uh, virtual PT sessions every single day. So it was critical for us to be able to support those students that uh, did have digital poverty, that um, the MLT was able to step in quickly and provide them with a laptop and a data package, no questions asked, boom, straight away. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's made a massive difference. The, so during lockdown, our attendance was over 80% throughout. Um, now we're op back open again, 100% open. Uh, it's gone back up to 90 plus a percent, but uh, the MLT was excellent in uh, being able to respond quickly to, to the crisis then. That's great. I mean, and attendance of 80% during lockdown is, is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, thank you. The, 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 the staff, did a brilliant job. Within two, two to three weeks, they'd really mastered uh, the whole aspect of delivering uh, online lessons through Teams uh, and did a fantastic job of making those lessons engaging. Um, the, uh, the, uh, during the break between lockdowns, I did uh, a little bit of a tour of the country, visiting as many of the centres as I could, and I had the same message from the students every single centre I visited. They, they were so appreciative that we carried on um, uh, when uh, when uh, the lockdown happened so it's very important for us that uh, we didn't stop we didn't furlough any of the staff we just carried on we just carried on the organization uh, as as you would expect well that's great well yeah testament to, to you and your team um and uh if you if you're to sort of look to the the future like give, given that you've come on this sort of this you know 22 year journey um from six people to to 180 um re really sort of adding measurable value to society what what do you what do you see for the for the future what are your ambitions well whatever we do we have to make sure it's scalable sustainable and resilient so those are if you like uh, founding principles of any uh, step forward I believe that there's a need for us to open in more cities across the UK. There's more towns and cities that would benefit from um, the work that we do. And also open up to different types of uh, routes as well, uh, different types of uh, career paths for, you, for young people. So staying close to home in terms of um, our approach to teaching and learning, it's not, it's not about military teaching and learning, it's about, it's about making sure that all the learning uh, has a fantastic pedagogy and staying true and close to that and not deviating from going into anything that doesn't involve teaching and learning anything. But growth is definitely firmly implanted into our DNA and reaching out to as many young people as we possibly can. Great. Well, that's great. Hugh, thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time. If, if people wanted to um, keep up with with you or your your organisation, uh, your business or the charity, what what are the best ways for them to do that? Well, we've got our website, and it's just very simple: mpct.co.uk. And then you can sign up to the weekly newsletter. Um, I'm very proud of the the team that produces that newsletter. Uh, it gives you an insight into some of the amazing work that the students do and uh, the staff on a week by week basis. So. Um, sign up to that and uh, it'll keep you informed of what's going on at MPCT. Brilliant. 
that's great well Hugh thank you again for taking the time I really appreciate it and uh, yeah look forward to seeing how things progress in the, in the future Mark thanks very much for the opportunity I really appreciate it thank you